today's daf is daf Lama Gimel, page 33 in the Heligim Sechasaita, and we pick up seven lines from the top of Lama Gimel Lama Dalif, we're at the two dots, Tefillah, we're up to Tefillah. All right, but a moment to get to place. Let us get going. So we're going through the various, call it mitzvot situations, that a person is allowed to recite in any language, b'chol lashem. We just got through kriyashma, and we described the machoikas about whether or not kriyashma is only in lashem kaidesh or b'chol lashem. Now we're going to talk about tefillah. Tefillah, prayer, our Mishnah said is b'chol lashem. Now usually, what the Gemara does is ask, how do you know? How do you know Shema could be done b'chol lashem? By tefillah, the Gemara is not going to ask that. Because what is tefillah? Tefillah is to ask for something. There's other types of tefillah, right? But it's, it's personal. It's a connection. It's a relationship. So we're not shocked. We're not going to ask, how do you know tefillah is b'chol lashem? I mean, what's the other option? Right? It has to be heart sprach. It has to be heart talk. So Gemara says like this. Tefillah, rachamehi, it's rachmonis. It's a connection. It's asking for mercy. And therefore, it's logical. You don't need a source. It's logical. Whatever you want, whatever language you want to speak in, you understand, that's what you should, that's what you should use. Says the Gemara, whoa, 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 whoa. Is it so posh? Is it so simple? You could have in any language. says, A person should not dive in an Aramaic. Apparently, apparently, if your tefillah is not done in a way of tears, so there's an opinion, not everybody agrees with this, but there's an opinion that the malachim kind of are like the postal service. And they sort through the tefillahs. And if you daven Aramaic, they don't know what you're talking about. So, so it's not uh, it's not answered. Since Malach Ejares are Makir, they don't recognize Lashon Arami. Okay, the Gemara is asking a question. The Gemara is saying, "Listen, you could do, really you could daven any language, but you can't daven Aramaic because the Malachim don't understand Aramaic." Now, where does this come up practically? You know where this came up for all of us practically. If we recall, not too long ago. There was something called COVID. With still variants going around. And when we davened at home, so the shuls, our shul, other shuls, sent out each Friday the tefillos to daven at home. Remember that? There was a sheet of what you daven. And it would say that Yukum Porkan, the paragraphs of Yukum Porkan, you skip it. The second this, oh, oh, the, second, well, the second paragraph is because it's for the people in the congregation. So you're not diving in the congregation, you don't say it. Okay? There's tefillahs that we have in our sitter. For example, Baruch Shmei. Baruch Shmei, when we take out the Torah, that's in Aramaic. There's some slichos that are written in Aramaic. So we do have tefillahs that are written in Aramaic. But the Gemara here is saying that granted, tefillah can be in any language because... 
it's mercy. However, um, it cannot be in Aramaic. Don't tell me it could be Bechol Lashon. There's a Gemara response, Lokasha. There's no question. Ready for this? Is Gavaldik. It depends. If you're davening at home personally, then you cannot daven Aramaic. Because at home you're relying on the Malachim, we'll call it the quote unquote postal service, to bring our tfilos that are not done in a way of dimma, in a way of tears in front of Hashem. And there's a lack of, the, of power, of potency in the tefillah if I'm davening at home. But when you daven in a shul, you can daven any language you want. Why? Because you don't need the malachim. This is going to go straight to HaKadosh Baruch. Says the Gemara, That's kind of a strange... Uh, strange what? Logic. Because if you're, no, if you're davening the Echidus, then I need the Malachi Asharis to help me in my prayers. No, because what I'm saying is, we're saying that if you're in Shul, because everybody has a Sibur, yeah. so therefore they, they, they go straight up. That's right. There's no Malachi Asharis needed. <laughs> I mean, it, it, Same day delivery. That's it. No, I mean, it's sort of strange. Because, I mean, no, it's a, you, you, I'll tell you what's not strange. You know what the Gemara is pointing out? The, the power... Of a of a tibur, the power of a congregation. When you're amongst, listen to this cover. This is wild. I think what Riel's pinpointing here is fantastic. What he's double clicking on, right? He's double clicking on this is that you have Malachi Asharis who are kind of involved somehow, according to some opinions. There are other opinions that don't don't follow this, but according to the opinion that Malachi Asharis are involved in our tefillas. If you have Yidden davening near you, that's more powerful than the Malachi Asharis. You don't need Malachi Ashar is talking about your prayers, bringing in front of God's Baruch Hu. The fact that I'm sitting here, we're all shtaiging together, we're learning here, tired together, we're davening together, that has greater pose. We don't need the Malachim anymore. We're going to go, our tefillahs go straight up to God's Baruch Hu, and God's Baruch Hu understands every language. Okay? And that's what we're saying. Tefillah could be Bechol Lashen. So you're limited to the Malachim when you're davening B'yechidus, when you're davening individually, when you're davening with, when you're davening with the Tzibor, that's it. So I have the Kayach of, of Klal Yisrael. And I don't need the uh, Malachi Asharis. Says Gemara, but one second. Everybody, we're still sticking with the approach that angels, for some reason, know every language but Aramaic. Says Gemara, well, I mean, come on, right? Is it true that the Malachi Asharis do not speak Aramaic? But we learned in When he was the Kain Gadol, he heard a voice from the Holy of Holies, which said, Shehu Oimer, which said, Natsu Talia, the 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 young men were victorious. The Ozlu La they went to war Karva La against Antiochus. What does that mean? Vishov Maisa, and there was this is Aramaic by the way. So there was a heavenly voice coming out to Yechan and Kangado in Aramaic. And the heavenly voice, the assumption is, was from Malachi Ajaris. From one of, the, one of the administering angels. Vishuvma, I said there was another story. Vishuvma Natsadik, who was from the end of the men of the great assemblies, from the Shiari Kasakadela. Sheshama Baskomi Beis Kadashakadashim Shuaymer. Betelas Avirta de Omar Sanya de Atya Adechala. Venerag Gaskalgas Ubatlu Gzeraisa. The. So let's go back and take these step by step. These are Aramaic words, so they're not so familiar to us, but here we go. Betelas avidta. The soldiers that are working, 
the Omar Sana that the haters said, ad We're going to chase them until the Hechal of the Beis Hamikdosh. And Venerag Gaskalgus, and Gaskalgus, this is the name of a person, he was a king, Rashi says, of Greece. He was killed, and his decrees have been nullified. And they wrote it down, and at the time they heard the Baskal, and it came out that when they found out when this Greek king died, exactly when his yard site was, it was at the moment that the Baskal, that the heavenly voice came out. And guess what? Both of these heavenly voices emanated from the Holy of Holies in what language? It came out in Aramaic. So what do you mean? The angels don't speak Aramaic. They don't understand Aramaic. Not only do they understand it, they speak it. Sure. Answers the Gemara. Beautiful. Either you could say. Basko shiny. A heavenly voice is different. Because a heavenly voice, really, they don't know Aramaic. But a heavenly voice is any voice from heaven, and they can say something that they don't understand. So, for example, if somebody were to give me a piece of paper transliterated in a different language that I don't, I'm not fluent in. I can speak it and have no clue what I'm talking about. But it's important to get the message over, right? You call up a, a company and they say, uh, for English, press one. For, and then they, in Spanish, they say, for Spanish, press two. And then other languages, right? You go, if you understand what it is. Now, the person speaking it doesn't necessarily understand what they're saying, but the point is that people should hear. So Gemara says, whatever the heavenly voice was, whether, whether it was a malach, whether it wasn't a malach, maybe the voice spoke and didn't understand. Maybe it was uniquely the heavenly voice of Gabriel. Because the Tana taught us, Gabriel is unique because we know when Yosef went down to Mitzrayim, there's a medrash that tells us that Yosef learned all the 70 languages so that he could be assistant to Paro. One of the rules of being a pharaoh in Egypt was knowing the 70 languages, which is a, such a, a fascinating uh, concept where they say that Yosef, the language that he was fluent in, was Lashon Kaidish. That's what he didn't know. He didn't know all the other languages. And when he came and spoke, but to be a pharaoh, you need a language. So when Yosef first came down to Egypt, he was, ended up in prison. And they took him out to speak to Paro. Yosef started talking to Paro in Hebrew, in Lashon Kaidish. And Paro had no clue what he was talking about. Paro had to be the one to know all 70 languages, and he had no clue what Yosef was talking about. So Paro, at that time, had Yosef swear that he's not going to let the cat out of the, uh, uh, cat out of the bag. Yeah, they have, uh, there's a joke told over about uh, Bill Gates was looking for a high position in Microsoft. He was looking for somebody to fill the high position. So they put a, Microsoft put out an ad and 5,000 people responded. It was to manage some sort of team. So 5,000 people come into this big auditorium and Bill Gates says, anybody who doesn't have any management experience should please leave. Okay, there's a yid there, Morris. Morris has no management experience, but he's like, listen, there's still thousands of people here. I have no experience in management, but who cares? I might as well stay. Oh, why should I leave? So he stays. And, uh, you know, the Bill Gates says, you know, anybody who's never led a team of over uh, 350 people should please leave. So another 
seventy percent of the place leaves. Amaris, the year the sitting there is like, no, who cares? I mean, what, what does it hurt if I stay? You know, what I mean, he says, whoever doesn't speak uh, Serbian or Croatian should please leave. And everybody packs out except for Morris and one other guy. This is Jew Morris and one other guy. Okay, so there's two guys, you know, who possible for the position. There's Jew Morris and another person. Bill Gates says, says no, start having a conversation in Serbio Croatian. <laughs> so Morris says, Barakatu Hashem Alakena Malachailam. The other guy says, A mighty Lechem in Nobody knows what we're talking about anyway, right? Okay, but, uh, but, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so, so, um, so no, nobody spoke Lush and Kaddish. So Yosef swore that he's not going to tell anybody. He told Paray, listen to this vart, it's a beautiful vart. He told Paray, I'm not going to tell anybody. And Paro had him swear. He, he won't. Yosef said, I'm not going to tell anybody that you and aren't you fluent in Lush and Kaddish. Yeah. If you don't know either. That's right. Um, I, the, he gave an oath. Now listen to what happens. This chevra is beautiful. Before Yaakov Avinu passed away, he had Yosef swear that he's going to bury him out of Egypt. And the question that the Mepharshim asked, the commentators asked, why do you got to make your son swear? No, give him a word. You know, please give me your word. You'll do what you can to bury me outside. Why do you have him take an oath? So I saw one of the answers is, Yaakov was foreseeing the future. And this was Yaakov's plan. If I have Yosef take an oath, after I die, the only person who can stand in the way of Yosef doing this is Paro. So my son's going to go to Paro. And I'll say to Paro, I want, my father wants to be buried in the land of Canaan. And Paro's going to say, tough luck. I need him here. He's a good luck. Right? We know when, when, uh, when Yaakov came down to Mitzrayim. Very good. When Yaakov came down to Mitzrayim, the famine ended. So they viewed Yaakov as, as good luck. They didn't want him to be buried outside of Mitzrayim. So uh, Paro's going to say, uh, tough luck. So Yosef's going to say, but I swore. Paro's going to say, well, I don't care. He says, oh, you don't care about swearing? <laughs> oh, one second. <laughs> Consistency, my big man. Right? So this is why. Some of us will explain why Yaakov Davka had him swear. Because he knew that it was an oath that was keeping Paro in position. And it was an oath that's going to ensure that he's going to be buried outside, uh, outside of Mitzrayim. But how, so when Yosef slid out of prison and he became second man, how did he learn all 70 languages? That was from the uh, that was from the uh, the Malach Gabriel. Okay. Berachas Hamazon. All right. You said Berachas Hamazon also could be recited in any language. How do you know that? It says in the pasuk, and any language that you make a bracha. All right. This is very important. This is a this is a fascinating concept when it comes to chinuch, and it's a balance that we need to have both for ourselves and our children. When you have kids who are young, sometimes they train them to say brachas hamazon very early. These kids have no clue what they're talking about. On one hand, it's correct; it's it's worthwhile for the child to know, uh, you know, how to recite the proper words. There, there's a lot of power so to to the the way the words are structured. On the other hand, a child really has to walk away being grateful to Hashem for for what it is. I have a, a sister and brother-in-law who, until age six, till age six, when that's when they, in their minhug, in their custom, that's when they feel the child reached the age of chinuch, and they start teaching them the first bracha inside. But until age six, they do not allow their kids to bench. 
They don't let the kids bench. They're, they're, the kids in their family, I, I was there. Anybody under age six, they finish, they eat, they put their hand on their belly, they say, they say Hashem, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. That, that's the, the, yeah, thank you for the food, and that's it. Shayinginug, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, they got their food, and so on myself. Once they reach age six, they start the first bracha, and they teach them, so, but okay, it's a balance that we need to have. But, you eat, you're satisfied, and you give a bracha, and you do that in any language. We said also, you take an oath that you don't know testimony about a specific case. Any person who sins and they hear a voice of an Allah, of a promise, which means any language that the aid or possible witness understands that's the language that we speak to him in. We've got to make sure the witnesses are comfortable so they give us the proper information. If a person makes an oath that they did not receive a deposit. So I, I uh, Rabiel gives something to me and you, you come to claim it and I say, you never gave it to me. So I'm going to have to take an oath uh, called the Shavua Sapekodim. I'm denying that I ever received the Pekodim. Okay, it has the same word tehta. Tehta, we know by shua saidus. Uh, it could be in any language. And now we have a gzera shabbos. But the following things, listen, the Mishnah we said need to be only in lashon kaidesh. Mikra bikurim, the reading of the psukim of bikurim when you bring the first fruits of the seven species to the base of mikdash and the statements of chalitza ad mikra bikurim keitzad. Until what point of reading the Psukim for Bikurim must be in Lashon Kaidesh? You should speak and say in front of Hashem, your God, and then it says, and the Levim respond, and they say, to every person from Klal Yisrael, just like the response which we learned on yesterday's daf of the brachos and klalos on har grizim and har evol, like the blessings and curses, when klai so divided, beloshen ha-kaidesh, the response was done only in the holy tongue, avkam beloshen ha-kaidesh, so too by bikurim, it's got to be in the holy tongue, levim gufayu minolon, how do we know that the levim also had to be only in loshen ha-kaidesh? Asya kail kail now the question over here is like this, the response, the Anisa, the response we know had to be in Hebrew. But what about the initial uh, uh, statements of the blessings and the curses that were made by the Levim? How do you know that that also had to be in Lashon Kaidash? It says by the Levim, that the Levim spoke in a loud voice, and it says, over there, now over there, the pasuk is Maishi Yadaber Velikimin and of the Koil. What happened was by the Aseris, um, but when Maishi went to receive the Aseris Adibris, the Ten Commandments on Har Sinai, says Maishi would speak, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu gave him a voice. Mala Halon Lashon Kaidesh, just like over there, when the Torah was given, there was only Lashon Kaidesh, the holy tongue used. Afkan, so too by the Levim, it is Belashon Kaidesh. So we have like a double Gzereshava. The source of Lashon Kaidesh is at Har Sinai. From there we learned that the Levim also need to be in Lashon Kaidesh. And once the Levim need to be in Lashon Kaidesh, we have another Gzera Shava to Bikurim, that that also was done in Lashon Kaidesh. Okay. Then our Mishnah said that um, Chalitza, the Psukim said, and the back and forth conversation between the Yavam 
and Yavama. Again, what's the case? So you have a couple. The husband dies childless, and he has a brother. That brother has a biblical obligation to either do Yibum, marry the wife, the, the wife and perpetuate, continue his brother's marriage, or do Chalitza, which severs the bond of the original marriage. Our Mishnah said it must be the, the Parsha of Chalitza must be done in Lashon Kaidish. Okay, fine. Says the Gemara. Virabana. And the Rabbana. Hi, Kacha, my of delay. What do they do with Kacha? Okay. With Kacha, with like this. Now, what do you mean like this? So there's a word Kacha, which is said by. Um, by, uh, by Chalitza Okay, it says She should say Kacha, she should say like this Rabbi Yehuda says that Kacha like this means Only on Lashon Kaidish The Rabbanon argue And they say no That by Chalitza it could be done in any language The question is, again In classic Amara fashion We're going to Clarify Not only what they're arguing about But why they're arguing What's your source? Rabbi Yehuda gave us a source as to why she must speak in Lashon Kodesh. Because it says, Kacha, like this. The Rabbanon argue. So ask the Gemara of Rabbanon, Hai Kacha, my Avdile. If you're going to say that we done in any language, what do you do with Kacha? Ask the Gemara. Mi bai lehu, they need the word Kacha, ledavar shuhu maisa ma'akev. To teach us that whatever is a maisa, whatever action is needed, Ma'akev, it's going to get in the way. In other words, what they're saying is there's a lot of things that get in the way or could possibly get in the way of the chalitza not, be, not being valid. You've got to make sure that the process is done properly. For example, right, which shoe, which foot you put the shoe on, how the spinning was done, that's, that's all integral parts of chalitza. So when it says kacha, right, it's a famous uh, expression in modern Hebrew. Lama kacha, kaz. That's it, right? Because I told you so. That's what we say as parents. Why? Because I said so. Now go do it. Right? Kacha, like this. So the Rabbani is going to say, Kacha doesn't mean Lashin Kaidesh. Kacha is going to mean that the, the process and the actions need to be done properly. Rabbi Yehuda. And Rabbi Yehuda says, he says, Maka uh, Kacha. He says, no, we can't use that. Rabbi Yehuda is going to say, Mikai Kacha. There's a difference between Kai, like this, uh, so, the word kai literally means so, and kacha means just like this. So, I could learn out both, says Rebbe. They say, no, that's not going to make a, a, a big difference in halacha. Okay, fine. So, we understand now. Let's take a pause. Let's take a step back. Rabbi Yehuda says that the chalitza had to be done in Lashon Kodesh. Why? Kacha. We now know why the Rabbanon don't like kacha. They say, kacha tells me that the process has to be done appropriately. Not that the words need to be in Lashon Kaidish. Rabbi Yehuda says it could have said ko, it says kacha, that deviation, that difference is what teaches us. And the Rabbanan say, no, we're not using that. Fine. So we know, the, we know why the Rabbanan argue on Rabbi Yehuda. But now we have to understand what is the Rabbanan source that Rabbi Yehuda wants to argue on them. Rabbi Yehuda, yeah, go ahead. So the difference is the Rabbanan. For Rabbi Yehuda, Haiva Ansa Va'ovra Va'omra Mai Avidle. Okay, what is Rabbi Yehuda going to do with Va'ansa Va'omra? Mibayle like more the Levian de Blashna Kaidish. He says that the Levian need to say the Brachas and Klalas 
in Lashon Kaidish. Okay? Which means just like the Chalitza needs to be done in Lashon Kaidish, so too the Brachas and Klalas need to be done in Lashon Kaidish. We brought a proof that needs to be done in the Holy Tongue, just on the, towards the bottom of Amad Aleph, we said from Har Sinai. So if I have a proof that the curses and blessings needed to be in, uh, needed to be in Lashon Kodesh because of Har Sinai, why do I need Va'an Sava Amra? Why do I need this additional Gzerah Shava? Answers the Gemara, an, uh, Anya Anya Gamir. He, Rabbi Yehuda had a Gzerah Shava of Anya Anya, but Kail Kail Lai Gamir. He never heard of a Gzerah Shava, meaning a Gzerah Shava has to be part of a halach, it's something that's passed down from your Rabbeim. You can't just make up a Gzerah Shavah. So he says he didn't hear that Gzerah Shavah. He had a different Gzerah Shavah taught to him by his Rabbeim. Tanin Amiyachi learned to rabbi similarly. Rabbi Yudha says, Whenever it says, Where it says, Responding or saying, Anytime you find these expressions, you should know, it means specific to the Holy Tongue. Whenever it's by Kai, it says, What is it talking about? The, the, the Kohanim. When we give a bracha to Kal Yisrael and they say Yisimcha Lekim Kafrayim Lechemenasha, they cannot do it in any other language. But let's say you have a Kohen that doesn't understand Hebrew, and he says, "You know what? I'll take my art school sitter and get up there, and I'm going to say you should be blessed." Ain't going to work. You got to do it Lashon Kodesh. You have to know what it means, and that you, you learn the translation and you go and and give it over Lashon Kodesh. That's Kai means Kai Sivarchu. This is how you give the bracha. Kacha, the chalitza. The word kacha, that the woman responds uh, like this. That's said by chalitza, all Lashon Kodesh. Aniyah va'amira de levim. Namir is referring to the brachas and klalas, the blessings and curses on har grizim and har evil. So you see in all these cases, it's got to be done in Lashon Kodesh. Kai, kacha, aniyah, amira. That's all going to hint to us, Lashon Kodesh. Okay. Period. Beautiful. Back to the Mishnah. Bracha suklolis ketzer. What is uh, what happened by hargrizim and harevel, by the blessings and the curses? So kivon shavri saw say yardin v'chulu when Klaisol passed over the yardin, and they came to hargrizim and harevel. So they went on two sides, as we learned, we learned a, a couple of days ago. The Aram was in the middle, the, Levi, the Kohanim surrounded the Aram, the Leviim surrounded them. Tonu Rabbonon, the rabbis learned, and so should we. They are surely on the other side of the Jordan. Which means on the other side of the Jordan, this is the opinion of Rebbe Yehuda. Okay, now what does it mean? Where Rebbe Yehuda holds is, that actually Hagriz and Arevel are not right next to the Jordan. They are far from the Jordan. They're far. That's what it means. They're on the other side. Other side doesn't mean nearby. It means far away. Abuda says that Hagriz and Arevel, Machlech is where they were. He says it was, it was far away from the Jordan. Okay. Now, if he holds it's far away, so let's keep learning the Pasuk. Acharei derech mevaya shemesh. Acharei derech. Uh, past the place, Mivaya Shemesh, from where the sun would rise, Makaim Shechamazairachas, which is referring to the east. Okay? So, which means they were far away from the Jordan towards the east. Be'eretz HaKanani, in the land of Canaan, Hayyashiv Ba'arabah, that dwells in the plains, 
Elu har grizim vahar evil, sheyoshvim bahem kusim. This is Hagrizim and Harevel, and this was the place where the Kusim lived at that time. Okay. So Rabbi Yehuda, this is Rabbi Yehuda's approach to where Hagrizim and Harevel is, and the Pasa continues and says, Mol HaGilgal, it was opposite Gilgal. Opposite means like right there across the street, so Samoch Gilgal. It was nearby Gilgal, far from the Jordan, towards the east, where the Kusim Lived Mul Gilgal near in near the area called Gilgal. Eitzel Eleni Mamre near Eleni Mamre. What is that referring to? Shem Ulalanu Oimer Vayavar Avram Baras Ad Mukam Shem Ad Elan Mamre Avram passed the land until Shem until Elan Mamre Ma Elan Mamre Yamar Lalan Shem. There was two names for the same place. Avkan Shem. So to Eleni Mamre over here is referring to the area of Shem. And Tani learned in the Brisa Amar Vlazer Rabbi Yaisi. Rabbi Lazar says, but in this area, Ziyafti, uh, sometimes Mizuyif means to counterfeit. Okay? But what it, the reason why Ziyafti is called counterfeit is because you, you made like a model of. You, you made a model of. Model. Uh, I don't know if a model is the best word. A portrait of a, a, a copy. Like a, simil- like a copy. A similar copy, right? So. Um, I copied That's a good, great, great way to translate it Kusim, uh, The Sfarim of the Kusim And Amarti Lahem And um, I said to them when I saw this When I saw their scrolls Ziyaftem Teiraschem Your scrolls are, are copied Like fake, they're fake, they're counterfeit Okay klum and you guys are, you just waste your time with your scrolls. Sha'atam Aimrim, because in your scrolls it says, Eloine is Shem. Af Anu Maidim, and you should know, we agree, Sha'eloine Maire Shem. Anu Limadnua Begzera Shava. Atem Bemalam Dusam. He says, we know that Eloine Maire is Shem. We know it from the way we darshan up the Torah. It's Allah Lamaish Bissinai, it's Gzera Shava. You kusiyim, however, Rashi explains what's a kusi. Somebody who believes in Tereshav Aksav and not Tereshav Alpes. You don't believe in Gzereshavas. He says, I got a problem. Listen to this. He says, in your scroll, it says that Shem is Eleni Mamre. Well, if you don't believe in Tereshav Alpes and the oral Torah, how'd you get there? Make up your mind. You, 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 can't dance, uh, you can't dance at two parties. Okay? Fine. Bottom is, bottom line, interesting story, but the bottom line is, Rabbi Yehuda is of the opinion that Hagrizim and Harevel were not near the crossing of the Jordan. They were far away to the east, Mul Gilgal, opposite Gilgal. Rabbi Lazar Aymer, Rabbi Lazar says, He's a different way to darshan this. He says, they are surely on the other side of the Yardin. The other side means nearby, not far away. Nearby, the Eden may ever yardim be elah. If you're going to tell me it's far away, like Rabbi Yehuda, how like Siv, but it already, but, but it already says v'hayin it will be ba'avrachem as yardin. When you cross the Jordan, you will set up these stones. Okay, which means you're going to cross the Jordan, and then what are you going to do right away? What are you going to do? Set up stones. Well, let me ask you a question. You can't cross the Jordan and set up stones by Har Evo if it ain't there. Can I ask a question? Of course. Um, beautiful. 
uh, so he holds it was mamish right there. Rabbi Lazar holds that that Harevo, um, Argizma Harevo, are mamish by the Jordan uh, crossing. Now, Achri Derech Mevaya Shemesh, past the place from the sun coming, which means Makayim Shehachama Shekas. The sun coming, he says, actually means the sun setting. Because Mevay Hashemesh, if you translate that literally, it means the coming of the sun. What does that mean? Past the place of the coming of the sun? Maybe it means past the place of the coming of the sun, which means far west. We're past the place of the coming of the sun. We're not, we're, we're not looking at the east, we're looking at the west. Okay? So that means they're far away from the west, and they're near the Yardane, which is all the way on the eastern side, of of Eretz Yisrael, Magush Hamashikas, Eretz Aknani, in the land of the Kanani, which is Eretz Chivihi. This is not the land of the Kusim. This is the land of the Chivi. Hayoyshev Ba'arava, who dwell in Arava, Valay Ben Harmagvaris Miyoshim. They don't live in the plains. They live in valleys. Mula Gilgal, and also what do you tell them? The opposite Gilgal, Valay Rose Gilgal. Remember. According to this opinion, we're not near Gilgal. So how's he going to explain this? Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov says to explain Rabbi Lazar's opinion, The Torah is coming to, to uh, set them up for the Derech Bashniya, the, the second leg of the trip, we'll call it. The same way Baruch who showed them the first leg of the trip. When Kal Yisrael were on our way to Eretz Yisrael, Sakaz Baruch who showed us how to get to Eretz Yisrael. And now that we're entering Eretz Yisrael, HaKadosh Baruch Hu showing us where to go in Eretz Yisrael. Well, again, we're not going to have the pillar of clouds. We're not going to have the clouds. We're not going to have the fire that led us throughout the desert. So now HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving us directions of where we're supposed to head. Derech, on the road. What does that mean? But Derech lechu Go on the roads and not through fields and vineyards. Hayyayshev, in the place where there's dwelling. Bayishov lechu Travel through places where there's settlements there's Yishuv, and not through deserts. Ba'arava, in the plains, Ba'arava l'chuv lo'i b'har don't go up and down mountains. All right, listen to this. It's a fascinating, fascinating story. Tonura, bono, the rabbis, don't, that's why the rabbis, Ketzad over Yisrael, say Yardin. How did Klai Yisrael pass over the Yardin? Ketzad over Yisrael, say Yardin. How did Klai Yisrael pass the Yardin? B'chol yoyim, oran, eseya, achar, shnei degolem. Every day, the oran would pass behind two degolem, two um, of the groups that Klal Yisrael were divided in. Okay. Now, there were three flags. I mean, each shavit had a flag. But there were um, three separate areas of Klal Yisrael. And each one of the three separate areas had four shavatim. Okay? So with like the, there was like four, three main encampments. Four, three main encampments. Each encampment had four shvatim. For a total of 12. Four. Four. Four groups and three in each group. Hold on, let me check. Maybe right. Yeah, Twenty, 
Oh, good, good, beautiful. Good, good. So there were four groups, three shvatim per group. Sorry. Okay, perfect. Four groups, three shvatim per group. And the Aaron was Nesaya Achar Shnei Degal. Okay. So you'd have two groups, and then the Aaron, and then two more groups. That's how they traveled. But on that day that they crossed the Yardin, Nosot Chila. The Aron went all the way in front. It says, The Aron Abris, that's of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, right? The Aron represented the promise between us and the Rebbe Shalom. Went in front of you. Every day the Leviim would carry the Aron. They were the ones in charge of carrying the Aron, even though we know really the Aron carried them. But that day, instead of the Levim carrying it, the Gehanim carried it. Shnei Marazit says, And it was, when they rested, the bottom of the Gehanim's feet, those who carried the Aron Hashem. So they came into Eretz Yisrael. We see that they're the ones whose feet kind of, uh, kind of settled down. Tanya, we learned in a, uh, Tanya, we learned in a Brisa, Rabbi Yaisi Aymer, Rabbi Yaisi says, there were three times, three places that instead of the Levium carrying the Aaron, the Kehanim carried the Aaron. What we just said, when we crossed over the Yardin, they carried it. And also by the famous miracle of the walls of Yerichai sinking in, the Kehanim were carrying the Aaron. And when the Aaron was brought back to the first base Hamikdash, when it was put in its place, also the Kehanim were the ones to bring it. Let's just wrap up the brisa on the top of Daflam Dalid. The kibon shenitlu raglik ahanim emayim chazra mayim lachareim. And when the kahanim who were again all the way in front of Klal Yisrael, when they reached the Yardin itself, once they entered the water, so they they walked in and the water. Um, the, when their feet went into the water, chazra mayim lachareim, the water um, went, went went back. The water like uh, went back in its place. By the way. The water is going to, by the Yardin, as you want to see, the water split, similar to the way it did by the Yamsuf. The reason why we don't make the biggest deal out of it is because it didn't need to split. The Yardin was very shallow where we crossed. We weren't stuck anywhere. We could cross with it. The reason why Kaddish Baruch Hu split the Yardin at this time as well was so that Klal would accept Yeshua. Because Kaddish Baruch Hu wanted us to see that Maisha is no longer here. And Kaddish Baruch every generation... No matter who our leader is, because Baruch is going to give us uh, a leader that's appropriate for us. So he had the water split so we could see a similar miracle to, to uh, something that was experienced uh, 40 years prior under Maisha. And the, the waters went from the top of the stream, stood and, and rose up as a wall. The How high did the water, again, the water was, was going, it was shallow, but it was going, and then it stopped. So the water kept rushing up until that stopping place. How high did it go? Get ready for this. Shnei Masar Mil, Al Shnei Masar Mil, Kenegad Machinei Yisrael. 12 mil by 12 mil. Mil's about three quarters of a mile. All right? So these walls were in, um, incredibly high on both sides. Divrei, Rebbe, Yehuda. This is the opinion of Rebbe Yehuda. This is Rebbe Yehuda's um, this is Rabbi Yehuda's approach to ultimately what happened. We're going to hold it from here, and tomorrow we'll get into Rabbi Elazar, the Rabbi Shimon's opinion. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Let us get ready for Mincha. 35.